welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am telling you, you're going to love this show today. We have two dynamic guests today talking about a very, very important uh, issue, I'll say, in the disability community. But before we get going, hey, I have three people I have to have a special shout out to. First, Yoshiko Dart. You know every show, I think now for two years or longer, there's been a shout out to Yoshiko. I'm going to tell you why. This year is the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Kelly is one of my guests, and as he knows very well, Justin and Yoshiko were both instrumental in getting the ADA signed. Uh, We lost Justin, but we've never lost his spirit. And we have Yoshiko leading on for us. So lead on, Yoshiko. Then a special shout out to two of my friends. Uh, One, Richard Roberts. Two, Gung Young Cho. Now they are with the embassies in Japan and South Korea. So I want to tell you about them. They are disability international rights advocates. And Richard, who I love, is working on a show we'll be having in September from South Korea. Is that awesome? As a matter of fact, we have listeners from 17 different countries in the world, which is just unbelievable and wonderful. Uh, We have great sponsors. We have Highmark, who has been our lead sponsor for four years. Four years. We have Peoples, Peoples Natural Guest, that for the first year this year was a year-long sponsor. We have Wells Fargo, a new sponsor. And at the very beginning of the year, We brought on employment options. So thank you. You're helping me change the lives of people with disabilities. So as I mentioned, I have two fabulous guests today talking about something that I believe is a very serious topic uh, for everyone in the disability community. And uh, let's get right going here with Michelle Irwin and Kelly Buckland. And Michelle Irwin is the president and founder of All Wheels Up. And Kelly Buckland, who is, as you know, an ongoing guest because he is so awesome, is the executive director of Nickel. And I love having them both on today because this is such an important topic. So I'm going to start with you, Michelle. Tell us why you became an advocate in the disability community and welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce, for having me on your show today. And it is such an honor to speak with you and Kelly and all of your listeners. So thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Uh, 
I started out um, advocating in the disability community uh, because my son, Grayson, was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy uh, at six months old. And I started um, advocating uh, just within, you know, the SMA community, raising awareness and raising funds uh, before I um, took part in starting um, All Wheels Up. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? how personal experience can so motivate you. I always say, give me the mother of a child with a disability and look out what is going to happen. Kelly Buckland, although, as I said, uh, at my choice, you're an ongoing guest, how about if you tell everyone what you do? Yeah, thanks, Joyce. Hi. Um, And it's it's always great to be back on the show with you. Uh, I am the executive director of the National Council on Independent Living, or we go by NICL. And uh, I've actually been in independent living for a very long time. I ran a center for independent living for six years, the State Independent Living Council in Idaho for 15, and now I've been at NICL for uh, going on 12 years, uh, just a little over 11. So. Wow, and always being humble that he is, a national disability rights leader, very well known in our country. So I'm going to talk to both of you a little bit about this in more detail, Um, but Michelle, you mentioned you were just listening to a committee meeting. Could you tell us about that? Absolutely. So today is the fourth committee committee meeting for the Transportation Research Board, or TRB, where they are uh, reviewing uh, information and data from all stakeholders, from the aviation industry, as well as uh, the wheelchair manufacturing industry and advocacy groups to discuss the feasibility and the possible future of a wheelchair spot on airplanes. So uh, it's just a culmination of many years of, of work to get to this point where the committees are getting together and having really robust dialogue on what could be the future of true accessible air travel. Um, and Kelly, what do you think about it? Well, I, I uh, am really glad to see that they're having these meetings. Um, and I'm really glad to see some of the disability advocates that are doing some of the presentations. I, I am worried that the airline industry will make it sound as though it, it's too technically difficult to make this happen, to be able to fly in a wheelchair or in an airplane in your own wheelchair when, I mean, we're able to configure airplanes to make... Uh, room for coffee pots and toilets and all kinds of things. So we ought to be able to make uh, it technically available to take your own chair onto an airplane. Uh, but as, as I said, I'm really glad to see the hearings happening, and I think the dialogue's been really robust. So that's good. Boy, is that a good, that would be a good segue. You know that? Coffee, not chairs. Wow. You know, when you think about that, we have room for coffee, but not chairs. Wow. Okay. Well, well, Michelle, 
Here's my question. You know, you're obviously a disability advocate. And by the way, you know, I heard about you from another national disability advocate, Tina Marie Duff, who I love and who is so awesome. We talk about you to me all the time. So I just want to mention, hello, Tina Marie. She is such an awesome person. But Michelle, you are a, uh, you know, advocate, disability advocate, as you said, because of your son. But many people are advocates in different areas. Uh, Employment, housing, uh, digital accessibility, so many different areas. So my question is, what caused you to choose the airline industry? I was actually on a flight with my son, and I could probably spend the rest of your show talking about how difficult that flight was for us. But, you know, to to briefly just say it was, you know, embarrassing, and I was hot, and I was sweaty, and when I was finally sitting in my airplane seat next to my son, um, after his wheelchair was finally stowed properly, I was thinking, there has to be a better way. And I started thinking about the future for my son. And I was thinking, how is he going to do this on his own when he wants to attend college or when he is employed and is trying to travel for his career? And then I had this, you know, thought, well, how are people doing it today? And realized that this was a glaring white space within the accessible air travel and you know, I wanted to see if it could be addressed. Okay. Well, we don't mind if you give us some specifics uh, because I don't (laughs) think our listeners would totally understand what you mean. So why don't you give them some specifics so they do understand? Absolutely. So as a caregiver, I am expected to safely get my child or person that I'm traveling with onto the airplane and into their airplane seat safely. And then I also need to go back to the jetway and disassemble their wheelchair in the safest possible manner to be stowed. So, and all of this takes time, but then also for my child who was young at the age and who is completely paralyzed, um, he, he's quite floppy. And I needed to ask the uh, flight attendant to actually you know, stay with him and hold him up. And at first she was like, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, then I can't go to the jetway and, you know, take care of his wheelchair to be stowed. So it was this, she looks at me and I look at her. I'm like, well, what are we going to do? And then she said, okay, I'll, you know, make sure he doesn't fall over in his seat. So, uh, you know, just, you know, just that experience in and of itself is, you know, you just, this dread, right? You're like, everybody's watching. There's, you know, you just don't know how to feel about it. Um, and that's just my my personal experience. But other difficulties that pe- people face with flying is the transfers. So transferring into an airplane seat can be risky to someone physically. They can be dropped and they can be badly um, injured um, with hospital stays. Um, another uh, difficulty or obstacle is that wheelchairs are routinely uh, damaged on airplanes. And um, so when you get to your destination, you might not have a wheelchair to use when you get to your, uh, say, job interview or 
uh, vacation destination, or worse, your wheelchair isn't even there because it never made it onto the airplane in the first place. Um, I have a supporter on, um, on our team who, who travels regularly for his job, and because he has been dropped um, so many times on the uh, airplane during transfers that he refuses to fly anymore, but because of this, he now uh, takes a week off of week of vacation from his personal time to drive to the destination for his work meetings, just so he doesn't have to have the experience of being transferred on an airplane. And I think that's just not where we should be in this day and age. Right. That is for sure. And this is what led to All Wheels Up. So uh, what is All Wheels Up? All Wheels Up is a not-for-profit research organization And we are the only organization in the world funding and conducting the research needed for a wheelchair spot on airplanes. So our organization first started out with feasibility uh, testing. So we actually took uh, wheelchairs and uh, wheelchair tie-down systems that are currently on the market just for a proof-of-concept test and tested them at a FAA testing facility. Our organization also is now working with universities um, all over the United States in all different areas. Uh, For example, we're working with uh, Dr. Christopher Lunsford from uh, Duke University and working on papers so doctors can be interested in the impact of uh, and the benefits of a wheelchair spot on airplanes for their patients and how this would help out with, um, say, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and physiatry. And um, we're also working with uh, Wichita State University and the renowned uh, NIAR Center, which is the National Aviation Institute for Aviation Research. And so we are uh, exploring um, now true real data and research at the academic level. And so we're really excited to pursue that. And our organization, while we're working on the future, we also now are stepping back and recognizing that we really need to address the needs for traveling safe today. And so our organization will is um, having an application process for people who use wheelchairs and do not feel safe while traveling. So we're going to be providing evacuation slings uh, as well as the disability cares harness, which is a four-point harness system to help with trunk support if you feel that you you need this um, device because it's we're, while we work for the future, we also need to address the, the issues today. Uh, what, what is that device? Uh, the disability cares harness. It is um, a four-point harness system that slips over the airplane seat and will hold uh, someone who doesn't have a lot of trunk support upright in the airplane seat. So does this matter? Does it matter how uh, tall or large the person would be? Uh, I don't believe so. The CARES harness is for adults. Uh, The disability CARES harness is for adults. So I don't think it's... um, restricted to size. Okay. And um, when did you found All Wheels Up? All Wheels Up was founded in 2011. Well, you know what? I can't believe believe how much you've accomplished 
in such a short time period? Oh, thank you. I think it's taken forever. <laughs> no, it takes a lot to do all of that. It, it really does. Um, I mean, I founded Bender Consulting Services 25 years ago, but the first, you know, like eight to nine years, I mean, I was having to work to get companies to even consider hiring people with disabilities. Of course, you know, we're much larger now and uh, we have been successful moving forward, although we have an extremely long way to go. But you have testified uh, you're working with academia. I mean, I, I really think you've done a lot. Thank you very much. And, and how did you start the company? How did you get, did you get investors to start the company or what did you do? No, we are a, a not-for-profit and we are uh, primarily funded just uh, by donors uh, as well as uh, we grant right here. So we do receive some small grants uh, throughout the year to do the work that we do. But our organization right now is all volunteer. All volunteer. Okay. Yes. Wow. Well, what is your website? Yes. Our website is uh, org. Okay. That way... If someone wants to see more about it or make a contribution, one more time, what is that website? Allwheelsup.org. Allwheelsup.org. Okay. Now, Kelly, um, I am going to give you time to talk about, and that's why I waited, what you see and have seen as obstacles on planes because I clearly remember Kelly is the soon-to-be chair of AAPD and and I am the vice chair and I remember sitting at a meeting Kelly with you and you telling me that your friends don't even want to fly so maybe you could talk about this a little more detailed for all of our listeners well, I think Michelle did a really good job, and I just, and I want to start off by saying um, you're exactly right. Michelle has has uh, accomplished an incredible amount of work in a really short period of time, and she's really added a lot of um, uh, notoriety to this issue and brought it to the forefront for a lot of people who didn't know anything about it before Michelle was bringing it up. Uh, but there. There really are like a whole set of issues uh, that people with uh, in wheelchairs confront when they get to um, when they try to go flying. A lot of um, people have just given up flying. Uh, a lot of the people that I know, a lot of Nickel members, just simply don't fly anymore. They drive wherever they go, uh, or sometimes take trains. But for the most part, they drive wherever they go because um, getting in and out of airplanes has become so unsafe. Um, People have been, like Michelle talked about before, people have been hurt being transferred from their chairs to the aisle chairs. They've been injured being transferred from their seats back to their chairs. A lot of people's chairs uh, are routinely broken. Not it's not a once in a while occurrence. It's a routine kind of thing. 
Uh, and sometimes you get to your destination and your chair isn't even there. So um, all of those things have happened um, at the airlines, and, you know, they're supposed to put you on first. Uh, sometimes that doesn't happen, so you, it, which causes a complete mess. And then uh, you're always last off, and a lot of times um, by the time your chair gets there, and the aisle chair folks get there to get you off, you're on the plane 30, 45 minutes after everyone else has left. So, uh, and then sometimes the the crew gets really upset at you because you're still on the plane and they're, and they're wanting to board the next flight. Um, and that doesn't even include all the stuff you have to go through at TSA because you're, you're going to get a body search every, t- every single time you go through TSA. Uh, if you're a wheelchair user. So there's, it's really uh, become a not fun experience. And you would think over the years it would get better. But uh, in my opinion, it's actually gotten worse because planes have gotten smaller. The the um, amount of space in between the seats have gotten smaller. The aisleways have gotten smaller. So all of that stuff has actually made it more difficult. Well, I have several questions, but let's start with that. As you said, planes are smaller today. So um, let me think of an example. Well, even uh, American Airlines has a plane that's smaller, like JetBlue does. But this is where you get on the plane, and there are two seats on one side and one seat on the other side. So what the heck do they do in that case? Well, typically they will put you in the front seat, um, and you, you better hope they do because if they if they don't, um, getting down those aisleways are really hard, and even uh, sometimes getting through the doorway um, in that aisle chair is a is a real problem. There's not even room to turn the aisle chair so that you can start down the aisleway. So sometimes they they almost tip you out of the aisle chair just trying to turn it so they can make it down the aisle. And what about um, what about the ramp? What is the ramp like? Um, you know, I'm to sorry. get off the plane, getting getting off the plane. What is the ramp like or procedure for getting off the plane? Oh, you mean like uh, instead of stairs? Yes. Um, well, they're pretty steep, but uh, actually, I haven't had too much trouble going up and down the ramp. Uh, a lot of times, though, they will. It, it's at a very steep angle, and a lot of times they'll take you up the ramp backwards, so you're leaning forward. It's really hard to keep your balance. It would be better if they would take you forward, but. The problem with that is if they take you forward, then they can't. There's no room to turn it when they get up to the airplane, um, so they have to kind of take you up backward. But the folks that uh, or the going up and down the the ramp, I haven't had too much trouble with that. Okay, because some people would, if a maybe they're larger, or b they have no 
uh, sense of balance. You know, you know what I mean. It depends on the situation for the person when they are doing that. And I'll be honest with you, there's some people that are just plain afraid, yep. nervous. The other, so, the other part is that they, uh, when they use a ramp like that, they do transfer you uh, in and out of your wheelchair outside, right? Because you're sitting out on the tarmac. So if it's raining, when they're transferring oh. you, you're gonna get you're gonna get really soaked. So oh. the, wow, this is not first class treatment, is it, Kelly? Uh, no. <laughs> now, now that's another thing. Then you have to get in those terrible transfer chairs. They're like the most uncomfortable chairs I know because when. Uh, I had my knee replacement surgery. And, you know, you can't imagine what it would be for someone, uh, you know, with a more significant disability than me getting on these chairs. They're like so uncomfortable. It's, it's unbelievable. And as my point is, you can see, uh, and as Michelle mentioned, she could be on here all day because there are so many different things that happen. I mean, if I'm right, Kelly, didn't you tell me also there are people that have been hurt? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Michelle mentioned that as well. Um, they, yeah, lots, a number of people have been injured getting in and out of those chairs. And then sometimes they will, uh, they will transfer you into those and take you off the plane and your chair's not out there in the jetway. And you end up sitting in that aisle chair for a very long time waiting for your chair to show up. And they are really uncomfortable. And the thing that's happened in recent years is that the condition of those aisle chairs has deteriorated, and some of them are not in very good shape. Um, And so all of the safety harnesses that are supposed to keep you in the chair um, don't work correctly either. So... Uh, sometimes lack of having a safety <laughs> harness will cause you to fall out of them. Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, so much of this is just, you know, terrible. Because, Michelle, remember what you were saying about how people look at you, you know, the passengers? I'm sure there are times yes. that the flight attendants aren't real happy uh, when the person is on the plane for a long time. Absolutely. You know, it is your right to stay on the airplane uh, as long as you need until your wheelchair arrives at the gate. And and this is um, why our organization is also working on budget impact models that will include a tarmac turn time efficiency study to show the economic side of the pillar and show that if there's a wheelchair spot and someone who uses the wheelchair can get on and off the wheelchair um, easily, just as they do on, say, a Metro bus today, um, you won't have the the wait time where it's a financial impact for the uh, airlines, but for the wheelchair user, it's that the significance of I can do this on my own and, you know, keeping their dignity. Um, in some cases, some people literally have to be carried on like a baby. And, you know, who wants to experience that? So, you know, this is what we're trying to do is find the balance 
for all stakeholders involved and give the wheelchair community the ease, the safety, and the dignity, and then also provide all of the backup data, all of that meat that the stakeholders are really looking for, and what is the financial impact to them, but also what is the health benefit to the wheelchair user. Right. Um, And if you're right now, if you're listening to the show, um, you know, if you go to Apple or Spotify, you can subscribe to my show, Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. And why I'm telling you this is I really want you to share this and make other people aware of this show because this is one huge obstacle that people with disabilities like employment have not conquered. You, you know, uh, Judy Human, as you know, is like a, you know, legend in the disability community. So here I have her come to Pittsburgh to speak. What happens? On the way here at the gate, they're telling her we can't fit your wheelchair. You know what she had to do? She had to call uh, Kelly, one of the board members from American Airlines who took care of this. But then when she got back, guess what happened? The wheelchair was broken. Just what you said. I thought this is unbelievable that all these things would happen to her. But they happen to everyone, not just the Kellys, not just the Michelle's son, you know, not just the Judy humans, but everyone uh, living with a disability. And Kelly, I hope what you said is true. I hope they really do something about this. Um, so, Michelle. Give us some examples of what happened when you went before Congress. Absolutely. So in, in 2016, um, I learned that the FAA Reauthorization Act uh, was um, out there and it had a provision for the research for a wheelchair spot on airplanes. And so I start started meeting with uh, people in Congress and started telling them about my organization and the theory at that time that we could have a wheelchair spot on airplanes. Unfortunately, in 2016, um, the uh, provision uh, was struck from the FAA Reauthorization Act. However, the bill um, was postponed and it gave all wheels up more time, and in t- later in that year, in 2016, we were able to do our actual crash tests. And so in 2017, I went back to Congress, and this time I had video, and I had all of our you know, research data, and I was able to present it to them, and this time the question was, what do you need from us? And so the provision stayed in the bill, and, and in 2018, the FAA Reauthorization Act was signed um, with the provision uh, for the feasibility study for a wheelchair spot on airplanes was was intact. And it's like what you always say, Joyce, you know, it's, you know, be that advocate and be the voice to speak up. That's right. When you get the podium, speak up. I want to say something. I mentioned American Airlines. I don't want to single them out because, sadly, it's all airlines. It's not just one airline. It's all airlines. And also, I want to tell you that board member did help Judy Human, you know, get on the plane. Uh, but you know what? Isn't that sad that you would have to do something like that? How about you, Kelly? Have you uh, testified before Congress or been at hearings? Uh, 
I've been at hearings, and we have certainly done um, advocacy with Congress around this in conjunction with Michelle and a lot of other disability advocacy organizations like the Paralyzed Veterans uh, Association, which has uh, actually done some really uh, yeoman's work around this. And one thing I want to bring up that Michelle has done that I think has been really effective in Congress is she's really made the the uh, business argument for making air, or airplanes accessible so that you can fly in your own wheelchair and sh- showing the savings, the cost savings that they would uh, get if they were, were to do that, which I think is really a helpful tool because uh, a lot of times just doing it for because it's the right thing to do doesn't really work that well. But if you can show the business case for it like Michelle's done, I think that really helps uh, make it not only the right thing to do, but the smart thing to do. Kelly, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of before the ADA, how you couldn't get on buses. You know, how you couldn't get on. Now, you can get on the airplane, but not like everyone else, not easily and not all the time. Uh, and, and that's what it reminds me of, which is why I wanted to ask you first, Kelly, you sort of hinted at this before, but what what do you think will happen? Do you do you think this will really move forward? Uh, I don't know. I really hope so. I mean, I, um, I I am concerned that they will uh, make this like it's too technically hard to do and uh, the Congress and others won't have the have the political will to make it happen um, I had more faith that it would move forward but uh, you know I mean realistically COVID uh, and the pandemic has hit airlines really hard uh, financially and in every other way and so um, they're going to be struggling to recover from the economic impact of COVID-19 for some time to come. And I think that on top of all of the other arguments, um, I'm afraid that that will slow it down. But uh, as I said, I think that's one of the reasons that Michelle making the business case for this is such an important advocacy tool. Um so as they rebuild, maybe they'll maybe they'll think about this and think about that this is a way that they could actually serve people better and make money at the same time. Right, because it's another uh, group of people that, as you said, Kelly, are reticent to fly. That they would be able to get on their planes, which, as Michelle is mentioning, is revenues to them. How about you, Michelle? What do you think? Do you think that? Uh, we'll be able to make progress, uh, or do you think the impact of COVID will set this back? Unfortunately, I do 
agree that uh, COVID uh, will be a small setback uh, in trying to set up meetings recently, uh, you know, in Washington, D.C., you know, the statement, the exact words were, you know, there's no appetite for accessible air travel right now. And so, you know, I've just, you know, in regards to the congressional side, you know, took you know, my foot off the gas pedal there, but I've amped up in other areas such as working in with um, academics. So, you know, we're still moving forward. And something about my organization is we have chapters all over the world. So we are set up in Canada, we're set up in Australia, and we're going to be in the UK. And so, you know, while um, our work um, may slow down in the United States, um, you know, we are looking for, say, other um, countries who, if it stalls, say, in one country, who might want to, you know, pick it, you know, pick it up um, on their sides politically, um, while we also work through just uh, the research and the development. And this is a multifaceted project, and it's going to take a very long time to to come up with what is that tie-down system, the wheelchair that needs to be developed, as well as implementation. So this isn't going to be some sort of, you know, quick fix and, you know, we will have the solution in, you know, in eight hours. So as long as we have this, you know, global look at it and say it's a global problem and we need to be in it for the long haul, I think... um, we just need to keep, you know, chugging along. I mean, that's my whole organization. I mean, we've been, you know, crying, scratching and clawing all these years just to be heard. And now we're here. And so I, I, I do want to believe that we're still going to have a voice and we're still going to have work to do. Um, what do you mean when you say organizations, you know, in other countries? Do you mean you partner with other organizations or do you mean it's all wheels up? What do you mean? Oh, no, all wheels up is in is in Canada and uh, in Australia right now we're set up, we're running and, you know, we're meeting with their governments um, to just tell them about the work that we're doing, the research that we're doing, and also partner with their academics, just like we are here in the United States. So we do have uh, chapter leaders there who, uh, you know, because there's different regulations there and they're familiar with those. And so they, um, you know, meet with their uh, legislative um, officials just to bring them up to speed so everybody around the globe knows of the work that All Wheels Up is doing. Okay, now you've only been around 11 years. How the heck did you do that? How did you do that? (laughs) You know, the disability community is amazing. You know, they learned of us and they reached out and said, what can we do? And, you know, we identified that obviously air travel is global and things cannot only just change in the United States and we need to change it globally. And so we identified that we need to um, have, you know, leaders in, in countries and, you know, start taking this to their legislative um, leaders as well. Um, so change can be made on their side as well as, you know, as we've tried to find funding for research and, you know, as they can help make new laws. I think this is unbelievable. What do you think, Kelly? <laughs> well, absolutely. I, uh, you know, Michelle, I don't know if you know, but Centers for Independent Living are around the globe as well. They're, I think, in something like uh, 80 countries or something like that. We had... Um, an international summit at the Nickel Conference a few years back, and we had uh, center directors from 20 different countries come. So this is maybe another place where we should uh, 
we should collaborate together and see how we can uh, pair up. I really like that idea, Kelly. Thank you. Yeah, I, I did not know that. So that's really exciting to, to hear, and I'm definitely going to look into that. And also, you know, we have people around the world listening to the show. And if you are interested, you know, just get in touch with me at voiceamerica.com, Joyce Bender at voiceamerica.com, and they will be sure to get that message to me because this is a global situation, a global obstacle. This impacts all people with disabilities um, around the world. And you can be sure... Michelle, that I will be talking to my friends from the State Department. Just today, um, I spoke to Sammy from Tunisia, and I will be doing a presentation, uh, three of them, over the next two months, because they are so interested in how to move forward quality of life for people with disabilities. But this is something, this is something that can be done anywhere, everywhere. Um, and I again, I just want to commend you. You definitely are a disability advocate. So, so glad that I got Thank to you know you much. and have you on the show. Okay, so, so tell me. If, yes. If I could add one thing just real quick to um, international uh, flights have their own set of barriers that you don't find on domestic flights. The the first class and business class, uh, I think they call them pods or something like that. Uh, some of those are, the entrances into them are, you know, the where you sleep and that whole thing. Some of those are narrow enough that um, they can't transfer you from your chair into those pods. So you're, you're basically barred from flying in two classes of uh, international flights. Wow. That's another oh problem. I didn't know that, Kelly. Yeah, that's I didn't another either. problem Judy actually ran into, as well as me. And I know what you mean, because when I spoke in Indonesia and these other countries, uh, I was in business class, so I know exactly what you're talking about. But I didn't think about that. In that, do they just say, sorry, you can't fly, or in, in those areas, or, or what is the situation there? Basically, you don't find out until you go to get transferred in, and then you find out you can't get into the pod, so they uh, either tell you you have to catch another flight, or um, they will reassign you into a lower-class seat. They'll try to put you in coach, and how uncomfortable would that be, um, flying 24 hours uh, so, you know, I can't imagine that that's terrible. That is really terrible. Um, and before we end the show today, I wanted to ask you, Michelle, how has your relationship been with different airline industry, different, different companies? Yeah, so the aviation industry in total has been very receptive. Our organization has a long history of positive and responsible messaging, and I think because we don't blame or shame any one organization for where we are today, and we're just looking to move forward in the right direction, I think they're open to having these conversations with us. Uh, We have um, hosted two working groups where um, it was uh, industry-specific, so we had the airlines, the aircraft manufacturers, 
wheelchair manufacturers, battery manufacturers specifically for wheelchairs, and regulatory agencies attend. And again, real robust dialogue about, you know, the future and what we should be researching and things that, you know, they want us to investigate. And so I, I applaud all of these industries coming together to have this very uncomfortable conversation. And I think because they are showing up, it really um, shows uh, their willingness to have a conversation. And how about you? What do you think, Kelly? Well, I agree with uh, the not blaming or shaming anyone. But I think they all are equally to blame. <laughs> um, I mean, I sit on one of the yeah, airlines. That's why I said they're all the same. It's not just one. I sit one. on one of the advisory board, and I really appreciate the opportunity to do that and have this dialogue with them. And I think what Michelle said is right. I think as long as we keep having the dialogue, hopefully we'll be making progress. Um, so I think that's an important part of it. And Michelle, I have a job for you. I want you to share this show with uh, those in the other countries that you mentioned so that we can get the, the word about your group even known more. So I want you to share this with them and Kelly with your uh, e-list because what we have to do is we have to continue talking about this because as you said if we don't with covid you know we'll get we'll get left out so um michelle up to this point in your life what do you consider your greatest accomplishment uh within the walls of all wheels up i would have to say the conversations that are having today with the transportation research board uh and having this committee talk about the work that we're doing. I think that's exactly why my organization was created. So we could see if Congress could fund the research. And I would say, you know, we've, we, you know, I could be proud of myself today um, and to say we, we did what we set out to do. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, that is a great accomplishment. And how about you, Kelly, uh, in this area, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Uh, well, I think it, actually, I think it would be uh, a tie between actually sitting on an airline's advisory board so that you'd give direct input into the airline and uh, testifying in front of the Transportation Research Board uh, Committee on the feasibility of flying in your own chair. I mean, I do think that was one of the, that has been one of the major accomplishments on this. And I think also just getting this into the reauthorization of the FAA bill and having it happen, along with some of the other stuff that we've done on uh, making airline travel more accessible um, in, in passing some of the bills. So I think that's all been uh, major accomplishments. And again, I would just really give a shout out to the Paralyzed Veterans of America. They've really done some great work on this, too. Yeah, oh, they have. That is an awesome organization. I mean, it was a sad day when Jim Weissman left uh, AAPD. He too is a national national leader. 
No doubt about that. So, uh, Michelle, first of all, thank you for being on the show with us today. Uh, And Kelly, thank you for being on again. I so appreciate it. So, Michelle, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? I definitely want to tell the listeners that their voice matters. And it was because of our supporters and uh, reaching out onto our call to action that we put out there and reaching out to their senators and their representatives and letting them know that accessible air travel was important to them was one of the reasons that the FAA Reauthorization Act um, uh, and the provision for a wheelchair spot on airplanes uh, stayed intact is because their voices were heard. So it's not just, you know, my voice that was out there. It was anybody out there who, who used a wheelchair and wanted to, to be heard and, and gave their life experience. And so I just want them to keep up that, that advocacy uh, um, that they have in them and, and, and keep, you know, advocating for, for themselves. And like uh, Kelly said, you know, there's a lot of organizations out there like the PBA and, and Nickel who were instrumental in, in moving this, this forward. And, you know, I'm really grateful. And how, how about you, uh, Kelly? Well, I would uh, also encourage those who uh, have given up like and stopped flying uh, to get re-engaged and to uh, start contacting your members of Congress and uh, other advocates and really start pushing this again. I mean, there's no reason that they should have to give up the convenience of flying somewhere because of all these barriers and uh, really help us try to get rid of the barriers. So I encourage other people to get involved in the fight. Yeah, speaking up taking time to speak up. And you know what, Michelle, I am really proud of you. I am. We need more young leaders, you know, coming into our world. And I'm really proud of what you're doing. Uh, And you are making a difference. It is awesome. And of course, Kelly, what can I say? national leader that you are but thank you both for being with us today and we end every show with a quote and I guess this fits everything we're talking about and that is alone we can do little together we can do so much said Helen Keller this is Joyce Bender America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Join us next week when we talk to Danielle Phillip about the deaf community. See you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 